0: Let us listen to Frank in silence as we prepare for worship. And Frank will play us lists via Crucis, Stations 5 and 6. Thanks, Frank. Tēnā koutou te whānau o Auckland Unitarians, me ngā Unitarians o te ao. Tēnā koutou ngā manuhiri, naumai haere mai, hara mai ki tō tātou whānau. Haere mai ki te hui o te rānei, haere mai ki tēne o te atua. Ko Rachel McIntosh tōko ingoa, nō reira, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tena Welcome to you all. My name is Rachel McIntosh and I'll be leading the service this morning. Welcome to you, to your joys and your sorrows, your memories and your hopes, your nightmares and your dreads, your bodies and your hearts, your mysteries and your minds. You are all welcome as you are, as you will be. May you be whole here with cracks and all. May you share in this community, may we be connected, gently, our humanity entire. May we use what we find here to add light and lightness, courage and action to the world. We opened with morning is broken because there is light and there is beauty in the world. And these things are necessary to having courage and to bending the arc of the universe. Um, I've asked Paul if he would light the chalice for us. The words from the chalice lighting come from Glenn Colquhoun. Um, And if you have a candle at home, this is the time for you to light it. When I am in doubt. When I am in doubt, I talk to surgeons. I know they will know what to do. They seem so sure. I once talked to a surgeon. He said that when he is in doubt, he talks to priests. Priests will know what to do priest seems so sure. Once I talked to a priest, he said that when he is in doubt, he talks to God. God will know what to do. God seems so sure. Once I talked to God, he said that when he is in doubt, he thinks of me. He says that I will know what to do. I seem so sure. <laughs> And um, now, um, Alex will put the words for the covenant on the screen, and if you, uh, if you would like, you're welcome to say them with me. Love is the doctrine of this church.
1: The quest for truth is the sacrament,
0: and service is its prayer. To dwell together in peace, to seek knowledge and freedom, to serve humankind in fellowship, to the end that all souls shall grow in harmony. Thus do we covenant with each other and with our God. My reading today is La Muerta by Pablo Neruda. I'm reading it in English. I practiced it in Spanish and I decided my Spanish wasn't quite good enough. La Muerta, Pablo Neruda. If suddenly you do not exist, if suddenly you... No longer live, I shall live on. I do not dare, I do not dare to write it if you die. I shall live on. For where a man has no voice, there my voice. Where blacks are beaten, I cannot be dead. When my brothers go to prison, I shall go with them. When victory, not my victory, but the great victory comes. Even though I am mute, I must speak. I shall see it come, even though I am blind. No, forgive me. If you no longer live, if you, beloved, my love, if you have died, all the leaves will fall in my breast. It will rain on my soul all night, all day. The snow will burn my heart. I shall walk with frost and fire and death and snow. My feet will want to walk to where you are sleeping, but I shall go on living. Because above all things, you wanted me indomitable. And my love, because you know that I am not only a human being, but all humanity. She's up here. Thank you to the angel who did that. And my musing this morning is called Bending the Arc of the Universe. Alice laughed. There's no use in trying, she said. One can't believe impossible things. I dare say you haven't had much practice, said the Queen. When I was your age, I always did it for half an hour a day. Why, sometimes I've believed as many, six, as many as six impossible things before breakfast. We know because of science, the enlightenment, telescopes, that compared with us, the universe is big. We may have seen that meme that shows two photos of the Milky Way, one taken before and one taken after we have made a mistake. Clue? It's the same photo. My musing today has as its starting point, not Alice actually, but the quote, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. My sermon topic, bending the arc of the universe, has taken liberties with the quote already, and may seem arrogant. How could we bend the arc of the universe? But I'm aiming rather for audacious. As Paul said when I sent him my title, may as well aim big. But surely it's impossible to think that we can have any effect on the arc of the universe. How when we are beset by our personal concerns, by bereavement, by relationship problems, by money worries, by our grief over floods and landslides and the interminable infernal heat of the warming planet, how then can we expect to make a difference? Surely it's impossible. Just one impossible thing to believe before breakfast. Our personal concerns and the size of the problems are just two impossibilities. I'm not the first person to take liberties with the quote, and I'll take us briefly through the 19th century origin of the image and the 20th century use of it that made it famous. In 1853, Theodore Parker, Unitarian minister and prominent transcendentalist, published a collection of ten sermons, including one that contained the following words. I do not pretend to understand the moral universe. The arc is a long one, and my eye reaches but little ways. I cannot calculate the curve and complete the figure by experience of sight. I can divine it by conscience. And from what I see, I am sure it bends towards justice." Parker was an abolitionist in the US who called for an end to slavery. At that time, in the mid-19th century, Unitarians were Christians who believed in God. In his sermon, Parker went on to say, things refuse to be mismanaged long. Jefferson, who owned slaves, trembled when he thought of slavery and remembered that God is just. Ere long, all America will tremble. Parker was right about that as the American Civil War was not long in coming. All America did tremble. The arc of the moral universe surely bent towards justice as the outcome of the war saw the abolition of slavery in that country. Theodore Parker may have believed that God is just, but he didn't just leave it to God. He himself worked tirelessly for the cause. He saw that human endeavor was an essential part of the moral universe. The Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is the person who made the quote famous. He took Theodore Parker's image of the arc of the universe and he too applied it with reference to what humans do. He used the image more than once, and here I quote from an essay he wrote in 1958, more than 100 years after Parker, our Unitarian forbear. Evil may so shape events that Caesar will occupy a palace and Christ a cross, but that same Christ will rise up and split history into AD and BC, so that even the life of Caesar must be dated by his name. Yes, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. King's paraphrasing of Parker was punchier, and he crystallized the image into a quote that many people know. His was more a call for art to arms, and Obama would half a century later have the words woven into a rug in the Oval Office. Words to inspire, then. Like Parker, King too saw human endeavour as an essential part of the moral universe. He was a key player in the successful campaign for desegregation in the American South. The arc of the moral universe is long but it bends towards justice. How do these words sit for us, Unitarian Universalists in Aotearoa in 2024? I first heard them used by Clay Nelson from this pulpit sometime in the past nine years. They are hopeful words. For Theodore Parker and Martin Luther King, they were firmly rooted in Christian belief. God is just, Christ rises up, and humans are part of the moral universe. Acting from a belief that God is just, humans can contribute to the arc of the moral universe. For us, without a necessary belief in God, without a belief in a literal resurrection, can we just drop the word moral, as Obama did incidentally, and carry on? Or is our lack of a belief in God another thing that presents us with the impossibility of bending the arc of the universe? We already have our personal concerns. We already have the size of the problems. Do we also have our lack of a creed? Are we adrift in the moral universe? I say no. We may not have a creed, but our faith matters we are all motivated in some way to be here. Our inspirations may be disparate, for we hold to the principle of a free and responsible search for truth and meaning, or to the value of pluralism. However we see that truth or meaning, whatever of various mysteries inspires us. We have come here to be together today, in this community. Clay used to talk about becoming fully human, about our transformation as individuals and as a community. To be fully human, I say our faith matters. What we do matters. And to be fully human, to exercise our faith, we have to get out of our heads sometimes and engage with the other things that make us human. What arrests you? What takes your breath away? What makes you leave your head and pause in wonder? Is it the size of the universe? Is it the perfection of a flower? Is it love? Is it God? Is it the good that people do? The kindness of strangers? Is it walking with frost and fire and death and snow? Is it a forest or an ocean or a tree? Is it a tune or one exquisite note? Is it the beauty of the truth that, at an atomic level, solid things are mostly space? Is it the ungraspable nature of time? When we can feel our sense of wonder and mystery, and integrate this with our heads and our hearts, we are truly engaged in the project of becoming fully human. And when we are thus fully human, we have navigated and made possible that impossibility of apprehending the arc of the moral universe without a creed to guide us. Which leads us to human endeavor. What is to be done? Both Theodore Parker and Martin Luther King were part of a human endeavour for racial justice, a work in progress. In Aotearoa right now there is an issue of justice. The arc of moral history had been bending towards justice for te reo Māori. People returning to this country after a few years overseas have often been struck by how much more they encounter te reo on their return. Tereo has been blossoming. This progress, this arc, now faces a serious threat. With current government coalition agreements committed to minimizing Tereo and casting the English language, the most spoken language on the planet, as some kind of victim in need of protection in the form of official status. To give this threat some context, Let's consider the nature of the taonga that is language, that is knowledge. Those of us who are part of Clay's course on Islam may remember that during the so-called Dark Ages, when Western and Northern Europe basically lost all the scientific knowledge of the Greeks and Romans, the universities of the Islamic world kept the knowledge alive. Without that, because of its abandonment in the West, The knowledge could have been lost forever. In 1907, in New Zealand, an act of parliament was passed, the Tohunga Suppression Act. That act forbade the practice of mātauranga Māori, or Māori knowledge, for health or other purposes. The act didn't call it mātauranga Māori. It called it, quote, pretending to possess supernatural powers in the treatment or cure of any disease or in the foretelling of future events or otherwise. Close quote. The deliberate suppressing of knowledge in this way, in an oral tradition, could have seen it die out completely if it hadn't simply gone underground. And having Maori Maori driven underground, marginalised, pushed to the side, is just one part of the injustice that persists in this country. I draw the comparison of that event to what is happening today to illustrate the seriousness. The reo Māori is not actually banned, but it is being marginalised and pushed to the side. Without support, it could so easily wither and perish. I believe this moment in our history gives us a focus for our human endeavour. We can stand up for Te Reo Māori. We can talk about Waka Kotahi and Te Whatu Ora instead of the New Zealand Transport Agency or Health New Zealand, to keep the knowledge alive. We can support the learning of Te Reo for Māori people and we can learn it ourselves. We can make a simple statement for our congregation, something like, Te Reo Māori is welcome here. We can gather when called. We can make submissions on any plans to marginalise and minimise and otherwise suppress. Having navigated our impossibilities, having embraced the project of becoming fully human, we can bend the arc of the universe towards justice. And we can start now. In the words of Joan Baez, every day on earth is another chance to get it right. So be it. Thank you, and it's now it's the time for extinguishing the chalice, Paul, would you mind? There is a snuffer there. Um, and the words are on the screen. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we carry in our hearts, until we are together again. Okay. Um, For my closing words, I have a poem by Maya Angelou, A Brave and Startling Truth. After that, we will have discussion groups, I'll give you the question. Um, We'll also have a postlude by Frank. A Brave and Startling Truth. We, this people, on a small and lonely planet, travelling through casual space, past aloof stars, across the way of indifferent suns, to a destination where all signs tell us it is possible and imperative that we learn a brave and startling truth. And when we come to it, to the day of peacemaking, When we release our fingers from fists of hostility and allow the pure air to cool our palms. When we come to it, when the curtain falls on the minstrel show of hate and faces sooted with scorn are scrubbed clean. When battlefields and colosseum no longer rake our unique and particular sons and daughters up with bruised and bloody grass to lie in identical plots in foreign soil. When the rapacious storming of the churches, the screaming racket in the temples have ceased. When the pennants are waving gaily, when the banners of the world tremble stoutly in the good clean breeze, when we come to it. When we let the rifles fall from our shoulders and children dress their dolls in flags of truce, when landmines of death have been removed and the aged can walk into evenings of peace, when religious ritual is not perfumed by the incense of burning flesh, and childhood dreams are not kicked awake by nightmares of abuse, When we come to it, then we will confess that not the pyramids with their stones set in mysterious perfection, nor the gardens of Babylon hanging as eternal beauty in our collective memory, not the grand canyon kindled into delicious colour by western sunsets, nor the Danube flowing its blue soul into Europe, Not the sacred peak of Mount Fuji, stretching to the rising sun. Neither Father Amazon nor Mother Mississippi who, without favour, nurture all creatures in the depths and on the shores. These are not the only wonders of the world. When we come to it, we, this people, on this minuscule and kithless globe, who reach daily for the bomb, the blade, and the dagger, yet who petition in the dark for tokens of peace. We, this people, on this mote of matter, in whose mouths abide cankerous words, which challenge our very existence, yet out of those same mouths come songs of such exquisite sweetness that the heart falters in its labor, and the body is quieted into awe. We, this people, on this small and drifting planet, (coughs) whose hands can strike with such abandon that in a twinkling life is sapped from the living, yet those same hands can touch with such healing, irresistible tenderness that the haughty neck is happy to bow and the proud back is glad to bend. Out of such chaos, such contradiction, we learn that we are neither devils nor divines. When we come to it, this people on this wayward floating body created on this earth, of this earth, have the power to fashion for this earth a climate where every man and every woman can live freely without sanctimonious piety, without crippling fear. When we come to it, we must confess that we are the possible, we are the miraculous, the true wonder of this world. That is when, and only when, we come to it. And um, now I ask Frank to play our prelude, which is Granada Vols Poeticos, numbers one and two. Thank you, Frank. And after that there will be um, discussion groups, so groups of about five or six, um, and Alex will put the questions up on the, um, on the screen. Frank, thank you.